stock market keeps looking like it's it's putting in a bottom and then it just turns around and and drops again and it's always something i mean we've had covid we've had inflation and the higher interest rates and then along comes ukraine and russia and the supply chain and now it's major retailers that are letting us down walmart and target and now plunging new home sales what does it end there's got to be some good buys out there dr david dr david dr david dr david kelly is the chief global strategist and head of the global market insight strategy team for jp morgan asset management joins us now it's good to have you with us glad to be here so are there good buys out there there have got to be uh yes there are i i think the the is understandable why why everybody's in a funk i mean we're coming into this year we thought we were done with the pandemic and it was going to be blue skies for a while and then as you say it's just one long list of things i, I thought you know when they started reporting an outbreak of monkeypox last last <laughs> week that that to me sort of was a icing on the cake i mean it's just uh, one disaster or calamity after another and, and that's got everybody in a bad mood but meanwhile valuations have become much more reasonable uh, we've seen almost a bear market in stocks and we've got pe ratios back to average levels for the last 25 years. We've got uh, 10-year Treasury yields close to 3%, which is not high by historical standards, but it's not a bad deal relative to what we've seen in recent years. So there are good things out there. And meanwhile, value stocks still look cheap relative to growth, and international stocks still look cheap relative to U.S. So people feel very bad. They feel worse than they did at the start of the year. Uh, But actually, there are better deals out there today. Well, you know, I saw Snapchat was down 50% for the year coming into their announcement yet again that earnings were going to be light, revenues were falling off a cliff, and the stock fell another 40%. I, I just don't, I don't know anybody who uses Snapchat, but I know a lot of people who use, you know, Colgate Palm Olive or, you know, buy Kleenex from Kimberly Clark. Well, exactly. And I, you know, I'm not going to talk about individual stocks, but there has been this, in the last few years, there's been this trend towards themes and memes and, uh, crazy valuations in a lot of stocks because it seemed to be, you know, growth at any price seemed to be what, what people were going for. But of course, at that point, you know, interest rates are so low that you could make any bet and finance it at basically 0%. The carrying cost of crazy was zero. Uh, and what's happening now is the Federal Reserve is raising interest rates. Uh, and as it does that, I think people are thinking more carefully about what exactly it is that they own. And so those things which are selling at very high multiples, where you really can put it all down in a spreadsheet and it doesn't make any sense, those are the stocks that are most vulnerable at this point. So if we go back to that, that litany, that shopping list of horrible things that are out there, let's say if for some reason Ukraine, Russia disappeared in short order, uh, I would assume that would be a triggering if the supply chain open, if China opens back up, and the supply chain looks like it's going to catch up faster than we thought. Is that a catalyst? Are, the, are these the kind of things that turn the market? Yeah, there, there are plenty of catalysts. I mean, if, if, if Vladimir Putin was to choke in a chicken bone tomorrow, that would be a great catalyst for the market. Uh, and I think, I think also there'll come a point in time where the Federal Reserve will say that they think uh, inflation is beginning to moderate. But economic growth is also going to moderate, and so they're going to adjust policy uh, as appropriate. And I think once the Federal Reserve stops trying to sound as hawkish as possible, I think that also could be a catalyst for the market doing better. So there are there's a lot of pessimism right now, but there are plenty of points 
which you could or which you could see occurring, which would lead to more optimism and a better market. Every armchair economist is talking about recession, and, and as though we're in one for sure. I guess you never know until you can look back over your shoulder. But it sure doesn't feel like a recession. There's sure a lot of money out there. I saw one of the major banks saying, I guess it was Wells Fargo the other day, saying that the deposits were like double what they were before going into the pandemic. People have a lot of money. Well, that's right. And anybody who predicts recession right now or predicts continued inflation, I, I think any such prediction should come with a, a very large disclaimer. Because the truth is we have not seen in modern history any economy whipsawed by a pandemic and then an enormous policy response like the one we've seen. And you know, simultaneously, we can see what's dragging the economy. We've got less fiscal spending, we've got a high dollar that's all dragging the economy slower. But at the same time, we've got extraordinary pent-up demand. And remember, you know, we had a recession two years ago, and it's very unusual to have an expansion which only lasts two years. Um, usually expansions take a lot longer, um, or last a lot longer, and the main reason is pent-up demand. And there's enormous pent-up demand. There's pent-up demand for cars you haven't been able to buy, for houses you haven't been able to buy, for workers. Um, also, you can't find any workers. So there's a lot of demand out there, and as you said, there's plenty of cash in the, in the pockets of consumers. So. I wouldn't be betting on recession anytime soon. Well, we can't have inflation without going into a recession. And it does look like, I mean, clearly there are enormous pockets of inflation. And typically when that's true, people find uh, solace in commodities, whether it's oil and gas or copper or wheat or something like that. Is this the time to, to add that asset class to start looking at that? No, not really. I think that was, it was the time uh, if you could have done that back in January. But... When you're looking at uh, oil prices up at $100 a barrel to start with, you know that you know five, ten years from now, it's probably going to be lower than that. At, at that price, everybody's making money, and when everybody's making money, uh, people, you know, anybody who can drill for oil is hiring like crazy, drilling like crazy. You know that supplies will increase. Same thing with global food prices. I mean, they're very high right now because of Russia, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and that is a terrible. Uh, problem around the world, but also you know that global agriculture is quite capable of responding to very high food prices by planting more wheat, and it will. Uh, and so um, I do think that these commodity prices are sufficiently high right now that I wouldn't want to be overweighting commodities today. Is there a place for for the asset class for international markets, uh, emerging markets? Oh yes, absolutely. I mean, there is a significant problem in China this year because China is trying to maintain zero COVID. It's not going to work, and eventually there's going to be a huge outbreak of Omicron in China. And sadly, you know, more than a million Chinese people will probably die from it. But once that has passed, China will get back to long-term growth, and I think that's true really around the world. I mean, the rest of the world is moving past this pandemic. Uh, and while 2022 may be a tough year for the global economy, I think there's going to be plenty of good years ahead. And international stocks are two standard deviations cheap relative to U.S. stocks. They're, they're very, very cheap. This is, I think, a very good time to get in. Let me just ask you one thing. Let me go back and put on your economist hat for me, because you've studied this. Has there been a period like this? I mean, we've we've had period. We've we've learned that you know when you have a problem like this, you you throw money at it, and it worked in 08 and 09. And I don't know that we've had a pandemic, but if we had a, a compression of time like this, where we've had such a hit to the economy, thrown so much money at it, and then trying to get out of it. No, we haven't. But you you can look at different pieces of other problems. 
and you can deduce from that how different parts of the economy are going to work. I mean, for example, if you see very high commodity prices caused by supply chain issues, uh, you know that over time those high prices will generate more supply. We've seen it over and over again. Not exactly in this way, but we know it's going to work out that way. And similarly, if you take the budget deficit down from $3 trillion in 2020 down to, I think, about $800 billion this year, that is a massive fiscal drag, and it's going to slow the economy down. So you can look at how it's played out in different, in different, uh, different kinds of uh, different pieces of this over time. But no, we've never seen exactly this scenario in the modern U.S. Yeah, time economy. just, it seems compressed. We've seen these over long periods of time. I mean, Volcker took forever, you know, to kill off the inflation. Uh, but this is all sort of happening overnight from week well, to that, week. Well, that's right. I mean, it's been, it's been a very whipsaw pandemic and recovery. You know, we've gone from deep recession to 3.6% unemployment in essentially two years. And that is very unusual. Uh, but again, you just have to adjust your playbook for the nature of the situation we're in right now and not trust too much to exactly how other recessions and expansions played out because th this one is very different it's it's always something different in the marketplace it seems like dr david kelly is chief global strategist for jp morgan asset management we always appreciate the visits thank you sir anytime david thanks a lot for more of our conversation go to krld.com slash ceo i'm david johnson news radio 1080 krld